whatever I had kid for one and him for the other. Yeah, kid did two H two. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. New setup. The purple. Okay. I just read the recorded on this. So what year were you in this one? Does the board activated? No, it's so it just it's just I mean, out there from 2000 to 2003. We were the clients that started split graduates. We were the clients that raised the big stink. Okay. Yeah, they I think they I that. Yeah, the recorder over there stopped working. Okay. We've I've been looking for an excuse to buy myself one of those for a while. Where'd you get this? Uh, on Amazon. Good morning. Good morning. She sent me a thing. Uh, hey, good morning. That wasn't even one of those mornings where I could like suck it up, buttercup. No, no somebody was sitting on my head. It was sinus. It was bad. Yeah, no, it happens. What did you did you take uh, Wayne Boy up for finance? No, I had a. Uh, I did it in a night class. And uh, what was his name? It was an old, old gentleman. Well, I had three hundred one and three hundred two, and I took. Boy, I did it in a night class too. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely didn't have any for that. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. I don't remember. And I had a lady for the other one. Yeah, Christina or something. Well, they didn't do well against St. Alfred. She took the lady, right? Made a deal. And I met up with Wayne Boy at all. You remember him in the. Yeah, I can't remember that guy's name. 50 something, 50 something. Foreign guy with the white hair. Uh, but I'm saying, Cyrus Kuros. We got a lot of young there you players. Go. Who yeah. are you talking about? Him and, and Kuros got into it. We had a lot of guys parking in Haiti. Well, you want to talk about making a play? Play your, play your, play your, man, they got mostly the older guys. Start playing your younger guys, so get them ready for next year. Yeah, I am. And why have I not seen you in my classes yet? Yeah, they begin to drill. Yeah. And typical normally has a really well, good team every year. That class is kind of so scary. You have those you seasons where you, you get these bunch of guys coming in and really me. good and they all graduate. So meanwhile, our, our, our senior year, my best friend failed with last year. Chris and everybody were here. That lady's name. We're not going to be able to get this Yeah. I think you should go high. I told us. And I introduced her to Dr. Boyette and he was encouraging her. Like, come with me, come with me. I'm scared, you know. I already know how she teaches. He's like. I can't, I can't remember his name. It's not a Robinson. Me, you will pass um, and you will study with her. Me, her, he's a skill guy, and he's pretty a good. guy named Donnie Olivier. We tied for the, for the top three yeah. in the class when we took the final. Yeah. I thought Stacy was going to hit the floor. Once LSU beat him, I raised all the time from my memory. That's uh -huh. great. And he graded, Good morning. Good morning. he graded just so that he you could tell like us. Cool, girl. Cool. What you doing? Oh, okay, that explains it. It was kind of. That explains it. Oh, it was a little chilly, huh? It wasn't as bad as I thought. You have a Harley? I couldn't get it locked, so I was out there trying to get it locked. You have a Harley? I do, yeah. Wow. Uh, I didn't think you would have a Harley jacket with some other brand of motorcycle. Uh, yeah. That's a sacrilege. That's like wearing Nike tennis shoes okay. so and the trike. Yeah. Under Armour warm-ups. <laughs> I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> oh no, they're good. They're, they're very good for. Uh, I don't worry about it. Know what you got? So, like but that, that is one thing no, I would not that. do is wear a Honda jacket. You have Adidas warmers with Nike shoes. I didn't. I couldn't barely get this on. No, Dad, Dad no. Dad, no. That's right. Yeah, leather. You got to do Nike, Nike, Adidas, but you can't be Nike, Adidas. I'm like, dude, I'm starting a new brand. The fact of life. When you ride. Um, it's a trike. It's like a chopper trike. The road king that they. I just. I said I don't want one of them old guy trikes. What's the old guy trike? You know one of those great big ones with the wraparound seat and all the. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So you have the two on the front or two in the back? Two in the back. Okay. But it's it's actually um we had us we have a shed, and once we realized the dimensions, it's like. Or is it even going to fit in our bike shed? It's almost five foot wide in the back, like a uh -huh. small car. Uh -huh. You know, so at least this way I know people are going to see me. You know? yeah. So how long have you been riding? Um, since I was 10. Really? <laughs> so but your, family, I, your family had one. 
Yeah, my mom was going for it, and she'd be out there in a little wow. motorcycle riding. That is awesome. <laughs> 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 like, I'll know when you get to the house. I'll know when you get to church. <coughs> Make sure I make it. Uh, that's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm at 32. I'm at 32. Right oh, okay. I'll just go make one. I'll make one pass. Okay. okay. I don't want to keep going. How long it was supposed warm. to get to yesterday. Yeah. I think I saw like, like 70. 70. But that's still nice. Believe it or not, when we go to Kenya, like in July, this is Kenya's temperature in July. My kids wow. are in Iowa, and it is in the 40s right, right. now. They've already gotten snow before. I'm like, you need to stop before I get When I call my kids and say, God, what's the temperature? Is it like 90-something? And they say, well, it's like 53, 54. Are you kidding? No, this is still winter. Yeah, and like still winter. Yes, it was so hard to believe because out here yesterday working, you know, it's so hot. These poor little kids' his cheeks are beet red and they're sweating, you know, and crying. And then today you get up and it's cool. It's got to change sometimes. Sometimes got to get. Yeah, I like it. Just wait. It's gonna change. It's gonna change. My brother's waking up to 35 degrees in New York. Yeah, Pastor Ben just got back from Chicago and said, man, I see why they call that the Windy City. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been to Chicago? Oh, wow. wow. No, that is not in Good morning. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so... I love it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Because they're not going to, I don't think they're going to use this till after service. Yeah, they're going to use this after service. We can just put everything right there. Good morning. Good morning. Are we ready? Yeah. All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for everything you've done. What an incredible day, an incredible week we've had. And Lord, I pray that uh, we continue walking out the truth of your word. And Lord, we know that uh, the journey that we take towards sanctification is one that is done as we gaze into the Holy Scriptures and then follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as he reveals to us the truths found in his word. God, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people and lay out your truth. And this is all done under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would empower us to live our lives boldly for you in a culture that is struggling to understand who they are. We thank you, we honor you, and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, how many of you are now empty nesters? Any empty nesters? How many kids do you have? Four. How old is the youngest one? Um, they're gonna be twenty-nine. Oh, twins? Yeah. Two boys, two girls. Two boys. Uh, they're gonna be twenty-nine. Okay. Empty nesters. Good. That's a good thing. Um, it, the one thing that stands that 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 has jumped out because this is this is a new season for us. Our kids are gone. Uh, the youngest one is a sophomore at Oral Roberts. Nate's down in South America playing ball, and the daughter just moved out there. One of the things, two things that really stands out where you know you appreciate emptiness. Number one, you don't wash clothes as much, and number two, food you le- you buy and you don't eat, it's there the next day. Yes. I, 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 I boy, that is so much. I, I'm just thinking, you know, I go in the refrigerator and like the food is still here. Drinks that I buy for me. This summer would just mysteriously disappear because they were all in the house. And I'm thinking, oh man, the stuff is still in the room. 
refrigerator. And that's the beauty of just being an empty nester. Uh, from my wife's standpoint, is to, to sanctify the clothes on a daily basis. So we're going to deal with sanctification. Um, the previous lesson got a little bit into uh, what the Word of God was like uh, in illustration. This lesson, we're going to take a look at now how the Word of God is used to bring sanctification. Lesson three in our growth track series is on the steps of biblical sanctification. The word sanctification comes from the word um, from the word sanctify, and sanctify simply means to be set apart, to be set apart. Um, growing up as a kid, I, I, I grew up Pentecostal, in a Pentecostal church. <laughs> and uh, it was funny because in the, in the 60s and 70s, they used to always associate these churches, Pentecostal churches, as that sanctified church. That's a sanctified church. And it was always referenced to the things they did in worship, the clapping, the dancing, the speaking in tongues, falling on the floor, and they used to deem that the sanctified church. And yet, I, when they would do that, I don't think they clearly understood what the word sanctification really meant. But we, we knew what they were saying because of what they saw the Pentecostals do. So sanctification simply means to be set apart. Even in your house, there are certain things when you move or certain things you purchase or something, a gift that someone gives you, and especially more so, I'm talking more so to the women, not so much the guys unless you have a man cave. Uh, there are certain things you own and you place in certain places in your house that says, this is not to be moved. It is for this particular place. Maybe pictures of families, family members. Um, um, things that were given to you, uh, ornaments that looks good. In and so we place certain things in certain places in a room and we leave it, it's set apart for that particular use and you don't move that. Well, that you get the picture of that because sanctification simply says that we're set apart. Sanctification is the process that all believers are in from the moment of salvation. One of the things I share with my kids is that salvation is not the end of the journey. Once, you know, with Jesus Christ. It's just the beginning. Sanctification is the ongoing process. Um, I often tell my kids, they always use the word fake for people who say one thing and do something else, uh, especially when they say that they're Christians and they do something totally different. I tell kids all the time, I said, you know, if you really look at biblical sanctification, it, 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 and it's an ongoing process, we, we really need to walk around with a T-shirt that says, be patient with me, God is not through with me yet. Now, that's not a license to keep being an idiot and doing what you're doing, but that's the reality of who we are. God is not done with us. There are more things that he's doing in it, in it more things he's wanting to put in and take out and shave off and, and, and refine. So sanctification is the process that all believers uh, are in from the moment of salvation. From the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells us and empowers us to become, here it is, conform to the image of of Jesus, conformed to the image of Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to make us Christ-like, so that when they see our lives, they see the Christ-likeness in us. In one of my prayers, I pray and say, Lord, um, we don't, you know, the, we want the light of the love of Jesus shine through us, so like the moon, who has no light of its own, but it reflects the light from the sun. May the sun reflect the, his light and love through us. And in the middle of that prayer, it was in my one of Bible class. One of the kids went, whoa, that was nice. And I was like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I said, you must have told they just came from science to class before. <laughs> I just got not finished yet. Anyway, we sorry. But yeah, it is the, this Christ likeness to be conformed to his image. The sanctification process is a lifelong process of being set apart. And I love that word, being set apart unto God in ways that which we... Now, here are the three things. I want you to really uh, make a note of that, highlight it, circle it. And here's where we get set apart in our thinking, in our speech, and our actions. In our thinking, in our speech, and our actions. Why those three? Because that's where the evidence of what you have or don't have really is on display. 99.9% of our spiritual battle take place where? Right here in the mind. And if we're not careful to call and pull those thoughts down, the enemy will set up a playground in your mind. He will set up a playground in your mind. You know? The other thing is uh, evidence of a change and inward change is how we speak. You know? 
James was saying uh, how it was even uh, shameful to even speak of the things that people do in darkness, that they walk in darkness. And so evidence of our life change and that we're being changed is our speech. Paul said it all the time. He said, man, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with the wisdom of man's, um, uh, man's wisdom, but I came with you with the excellence of knowing of Jesus Christ and the power with demonstration. He said, look, if what I say, who I am, don't have any bearings and signs behind it, then maybe I don't have what I have. He said, but I came to you with the power of the Holy Spirit, and God confirmed what I said. So we see it in our thinking and in speaking, and then here's the big thing, the acting. They said, man, I really can't understand what you're saying because I'm, what you're doing is standing in the way of what you're saying. Our action speaks volumes of who we are and who, what Christ is doing in us. The primary tool that the Holy Spirit uses to mature us as believers uh, or to sanctify us is, what do you think it is? The Bible. The Bible. You know, I, I share this with my kids. and said, how would you know, how, how do you know how Christ wants you to live if you never open the book and read it? Or open the book and study it? God's word to us is the instruction that he has given to us how we should walk this out. It's a whole new set of values, a whole new set of uh, way to live. The Bible was not written to satisfy our curiosity, but it was written to transform our lives. That's the reason why so many people don't read it, because it has a lot to say about a lot of areas of our lives. Look at Titus chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Notice what's highlighted here. Their knowledge of the truth that does what? leads to godliness. Their knowledge of the truth that leads. So what leads to godliness? Our knowledge of the truth. Okay. Why is that so important? Because there are a lot of things that are being said that's not true. That don't lead to godliness. And that's why I love the fact that, you know, we've been, Pastor, Pastor, as Pastor Ben has taken, become the pastor, he's been going into more of an expositional type teaching. Uh, expository teaching, which is excellent because we begin to understand the scripture in light of context. Because I, I look, I grew up in church. I grew up in church, and I've heard scriptures used so wrong, used out of context. And I love the fact that we're able to take a passage of scripture, look at the truth of it, and build and look at the truth around it, and build sermons on those particular scriptures within its context. And I just think today, you know, with the, with the social media and people, doing, you know, a lot of Christians are biblically illiterate, you know, and that's not good because Satan knows the word very well. He even tried to use it on Jesus. That's how arrogant he is. And Jesus is the word he tried to use it. So the, the living out of God's word is like taking the word of God and putting it on like a new change of clothing. This is the picture we get in the book of Titus, uh, the book of Titus chapter 2. It says this, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be this discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Whew. If you read this scripture to a feminist, they would light you on fire. <laughs> they would put you on fire. Because everything in here, and here's the thing what it says, it says, and you know, obedient to their own husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. This lifestyle is for literally not shaming the truth of God's word. It is not to demean the woman or demean the man. It is for edifying the truth of God's word. But again, because of the lack of understanding 
a lot of people of God's word, you know, what they read as they read this, they see submission, they see slavery, they see, you know, just taking up their own will, and and that could be no further from the truth. Submission is an anointed word because Christ spoke it for three years of his ministry when he said, "I do, I have not come to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. I come to submit to the Father's will. I come to submit." So when you look at that, this constant where he died, kept dying to himself and dying to himself to the will of the Father, that's very powerful extremely powerful when you think about submission in its biblical sense likewise exhort the young men to be sober in all things showing themselves uh, yourselves to be the pattern of good works and doctrine showing integrity reference incorruptibility sound speech that cannot be condemned that one who is uh, an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you wow there it is. The act, the talking, the living, the thinking. He says, even if they make accusations against you, they know it's not true. Because of how you choose to live your life of integrity, sound of speech, um, and uh, showing forth the living by the doctrine of God. And it says, exhort, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. I saw a t-shirt um, at, uh, what's the name of the, the bookstore? Um, There's a chain of them. Books of me? No. Lifeway. Lifeway. And I'm, and I'm a big t-shirt guy. I love t-shirts. I've got a thousand t-shirts everywhere, just everywhere. And I was going through... Um, this the t-shirt section and I pull out this one t-shirt and it said Lord we love you and on the back it says it's your people we're struggling with and I was sort of taken back by that I'm like what what the what and I'm sitting there and I'm just trying to, I'm really trying to you know and Lord you're going to have to give me the interpretation of this t-shirt because this is not making sense but then when I thought about it I'm like whoa we represent Christ and oftentimes we don't do that very well to the world that's why, why I think it's Psalms chapter 1 it says blessed is, blessed is the man who, um, who walketh not in the counsel of the un, ungodly nor stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scornful nor stand in the way of sinners Paul was I mean um, David was just making a huge reference to the fact that God number one you don't sit around fools and take the foolish counsel but at the same time live your life in such a way that you don't block the kingdom from people who are trying to get in and they don't come in because they say you're a kingdom dweller, but look how you live it. You know? And, and that was a very powerful scripture. Attractive truth is what we call applied truth. The living out of lives that honor God should be the result of reading and studying God's word. The word of God is the tool. It is the tool that God uses to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus. The word of God is the tool that he uses, that God uses to conform us to the image of his son Jesus. We are all at different stages on our journey of becoming more Christ-like in the ways in which we think, speak, and we act. And we talked about that. The way we think, the way we speak, and the way we act. You know, that's one of the interesting things about being um, in fellowship is because all of us are at different levels of our, of our lives spiritually. Some of us have stronger convictions in areas of our lives. But I think what is common is what we know to be true according to the word of God that is blanket. That's just across the board. There are some areas that I think in Ephesians that Pastor Ben is getting ready to navigate to that's going to go, okay, and he has, you don't have to get into it because of the different levels of conviction as Christians. Um, and so we have to really be careful. And that's why Paul says, until we come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, because we're, we're all over the place. I had a situation, and I won't mention any names, of a young man, and I'm just going to say this and throw it out here, a young man who just felt that, you know, uh, the pumpkin patch wasn't godly. You know, we were, we were flirting around with the unfruitful works of darkness, and this guy was adamant. He and his wife was very adamant. And so I gave him my phone number to call me, and he never called me. Because then, here was my thing I wanted to share with him. I said, first of all, um, you do know everything God created is good. 
That's good. But do you know also that Satan has no original thought? So Satan goes over to what God created, takes it for himself, and perverts it. So the pumpkin in and of itself is a good thing because God created it. Satan reached across and then made it and used it for unfruitful works of darkness. Now, I shared this with him. You know, we talk about convictions in different levels. I said, I'm just going to lay this out to you. Um, this church has never celebrated Halloween. We'll never, ever celebrate Halloween. But from a standpoint, that is something God created. And we use it for the glory of the Father. I said, now, let me, I'm going to be honest with you. I can give you several things God created that Satan has now perverted. One has to do with your relationship with your spouse. So are you going to stop that? Because of trafficking and everything else that comes with that. Of course, he just was adamant about the pumpkin. At that point, I just leave that alone, you know. Uh, so we, we, we see ourselves at different levels and different convictions. The book of James gives us another picture of what God's word is like when, when what it does in our lives as we grow into sanctification or being set apart. James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25 says, is, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But he, the doers of the word, and not be, I said, but he, doers of the word, supposed to be, be doers of the word, and be not only hearers deceiving yourselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and then immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he but he who looks into the perfect law, now notice how he describes it, because it's, it's highlighted. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and then not just look into it, but what? Continue. Continue. This is that, that process. I, I see it, the Holy Spirit reveals it, I'm going to continue walking this out. And continues in it. And it's not, forget, it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Notice, he looks into it. Watch the progression. He looks into it, continues in it, and then not just look at it, but continue it. But also, here's the next step, that he's a doer of what he saw and what he's continued to walk out. He saw it, he continued it, and then he begins to work that out in his daily life. There are three basic steps of biblical sanctification, and we want to quickly go through this. The first one is obviously understanding. Understanding. I have a very interesting definition for the word understanding. The word understanding. Anything you you understand, you stand under it and it covers you. That's my definition of understanding. Anything you understand, you stand under it and it covers you. First of all, it has everything to do with purpose. For example, an umbrella. You know when it's raining. You don't go get a box unless you don't have an umbrella. But we know we know what an umbrella is for. You open it up and you what? You stand under it. There are truths that when you come with the Holy Spirit revealed to you, it's, it's, it's contextual meaning. He says, I want you to stand over it and I want under it and I want you to cover it. I want it to cover you. I want you to stand under it and then stand on it. Understanding. God's pr um, pattern for spiritual growth starts with understanding what the Bible says and what it means. That's that expository we were talking about preaching. The meaning of scripture is the scripture. <laughs> If you don't know what that what it means, you don't have the truth. So the process of the process of spiritual growth starts with the understanding of what the Bible says. If you're really confused of what the scripture says, go to the scripture and the scripture will tell you what it says. I know that sounds but that's the truth. You know? Uh, somebody said, Well, does the scripture say he that the soul that penance shall surely die? What exactly does that mean? Well, here's the biblical. The soul that sins will die. It is what it is. And so many times uh, you see people trying to twist it to make it say something totally different. And it's like trying to twist metal with your hand. That's a hard task to do. And often they don't really come out the way you think it's going to work. It don't work at all. So, so we see the spiritual growth starts with the understanding. True sanctification begins with renewing your renewing of the mind. Renewing of the mind. Why is it important for us to renew our mind? Anybody? Why why should we even renew our mind? Why is there a necessity that if we're going to walk in this Christ likeness? Why does the mind have to be renewed? Anybody? 
the thing that's hitting me is says it deals with you know all things old things will pass away and new things you're looking for when you become a christian or you know when you get to heaven so we should constantly be renewing our minds with all the things that sometimes we think we've figured out aren't just exactly the way they really are mm-hmm. so always be seeking that holy spirit to to help you in renewing your mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyone else why do we need our minds renewed? Don't you think there's just so much going on in the world? Sometimes it just gets in and tries to, to mm-hmm. manipulate our thoughts. What you would be. There is, many of us have different experiences because you have grown up in different, um, in, with different value systems. And so growing up, uh, you, be, you didn't realize how you have become so a part of that value within the home itself. And thinking that were things that my father um, taught us as I've grown up, and I'm going like, no, no. You know, but I, I respect him. I love my dad. But you know, you grow up here, and I love what you're saying. We have a tendency that to dismiss, to not really evaluate what information comes through our eye gate and our ear gate. And we have to make sure we evaluate everything that passes through those two gates. Because whatever we allow to download into the eye gate and ear gate, into our mind and our soul, literally those things have the ability to form a stronghold. And a stronghold forms a pattern of, is formed by a pattern, a pattern of thinking. Culturally, racially, economically, you know. Uh, one of the things, I, when Nadine and I went to Uganda, and we were asked, we were, that's a, we were asked to speak to uh, some 20 and 30 something year old married couples. Uh, there must have been like 15, 16 couples there. And uh, we met with Pastor Wah, and he just gave us a little bit of background about the Ugandan culture because of what had happened with Idi Amin, their, their dictator who had killed thousands of their people. And then once he fled the country, then what came um, behind that was the the age HIV and AIDS epidemic that ravaged the country again, and so you had this huge male population that just nearly got wiped out, and so you had this uh, uh, years of where the the woman had to leave the family. Well, now here you are with this twenty something, thirty something, forty something group, where men in Uganda are very dominant, but because they were nearly wiped out between those two events, the women had to take on. So you got these new twenty, thirty, forty something year old women who grew up with moms and grandmothers want to continue in that area, which is counter the culture where the men dominate, and they just having all kinds of issues. But because they, HIV ravaged the country, there was never a lot of grandfathers, and what uh, Idi Amin did, they took on this mindset that you live for today. You don't save any money. Whatever money you get, you spend it. And he says, that's not biblical. And he said, that's the challenge I'm having with the culture because of the events has shaped a mindset which the mindset of not wanting to save for the future, now that they have families and children, that's going to hurt the next generation of kids. And so you can see that the events shape the mindset, and the mindset becomes a stronghold. And so now he's having to go in and talk about you know, the parable of the talents. Um, while it is prudent to save, when it, it, the culture says, no, it's not, you live for right now. And that's one of the big struggles. So we have to have our minds renewed. Because the word of God will always counter the culture. It will always counter the culture. You're not going to get there through emotional or mythical experience. Spiritual growth won't happen by osmosis. It requires the discipline of constantly putting God's truth in your mind. It's going to require discipline. The discipline of constantly putting God's truth in your mind. And almost this, this change has to take place. It has to be intentional. Today I will choose to do and walk the scriptures out. It has to be intentional because it's so easy to slip and, and, and veer off. Right now my truck, you know, I have to take it in because I'm starting to notice. And every now and then I'll know what kind of alignment or the tire or something on the tire. I'll be driving. I just let the steering wheel go to see what the steering's like. As long as my hand's on the wheel, I'll never know it. Never that I just do it. Just okay, it's got a slight drift to the right or a slight drift to the right. I got to get that checked. I got to check my tires. And if the tires are being worn on the outside or inside, then we got to get this fixed. 
It is so easy for Christians to start drifting a little to the right or to the left from that narrow path that we're on because of the culture and because of the amount of information we get down on, the things we hear, the things we see, the things that we hear people say to us. And that's why we have to protect not only ourselves, but also protect our children. You know, you stand at the gate of all information in your home. And it's imperative that you develop the, have developed the right type of relationship that when your kids hear things at school, they, they have to have the freedom to say, Dad, I heard this. What about this? And you, you, you know, well, I'll be bringing that in my house. That's the way, that's the old school way of dealing with it. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. You have to sit down and say, okay, let's evaluate that on, on, in light of the scriptures. And we have to do that. Even as adults, we have to do that because we have people we work with will say certain things and you just like, and the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not quite the way things really are. Okay? Romans chapter 12. Let's look at Romans 12 um, and 1 and 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a what? Living. What kind of sacrifice? Living. Now, a living sacrifice is very interesting. See, when you kill when you have a dead sacrifice and you heat up the fire, it doesn't move. A living sacrifice has a tendency to want to jump off the altar when it gets too hot. <laughs> it's like, you know what, God, this don't feel good. Yeah, it may not feel good, but it is good. So that's why God says a living sacrifice is one that is that knows it has the ability, the power, and the will to say no, but it stays there. It stays there. Knowing this, it is for the perfection and for the refining. He wants a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. And here's, here's the one I like. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, with what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's back up to verse 2. Do not be conformed. The word conform is the word, uh, the same word we use, pattern. Um, I took economics, <coughs> home ec, in high school. Yeah, I did, because I know I had to eat. So I took home ec at E.D. White, and we had to learn how to, you know, part of the unit was to learn how to make some clothes or whatever, so I made me a, a jumpsuit. I made me a, a, a hoodie with some shorts, you know, the combination set, because I was going to be rocking that. I said, you know, this is my brand. I was going to put my name on my brand. Uh, I didn't turn out right, so I never would. But anyway, but it's interesting that we had to go down to a local um, shop, fabric shop, and go get a pattern. And once we get the pattern, we had to bring it in. And um, Miss Miss, uh, I think her name was Miss Love, Miss Karen, Miss Love, Miss Karen, Miss Gary. And she said, lay the pattern out. So we lay the pattern. She says, now you got to go get the material that you want to make this this your jumpsuit out. So we got the material, same color. It was powder blue. It was the you know it was the early eighties, so powder blue was in. Knit was in on that front. And so we laid this out, and we had to cut the, the material to the pattern, so that the, the material. Some of y'all know what I'm saying, but the, you know, okay. So you had to cut the material to the pattern. Well, this is the picture that we get in Romans chapter twelve, verse two, when it says, "And do not be conformed." He said, "Do not become cookie cutter to the system's way of thinking and doing." He said, do not form and fashion your life the way the culture wants to form and fashion you. Because if you do, you won't look like the God's brand. You're going to take on a whole different brand. And because you've been saved, the Bible says you are what? Brand new. Oh, come on, somebody. I like that. <laughs> you're a brand new creature. And that brand is God's brand. Ephesians tells us we have been sealed. It is a mark of ownership. It is a mark of transaction. It is, we, 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 we belong to God now. So God has his brand on us. He said, don't pattern yourself after. Don't be conformed. But be transformed. The word transform is the Greek word we get metamorpho or metamorphe. When we, we get the, um, the English word metamorphosis and we know we associate that with the caterpillar and the butterfly and the other things go through a stage of metamorphosis. But what is interesting that you have whole societies will go out and and, and, and bring like nets and and and, 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 and um, binoculars and these hats and whole butterfly uh, societies that go and look at these butterflies. But they would never ever do that. Have a society for caterpillars, and yet the caterpillar 
is turned into the butterfly and you it will it, once you see this beautiful butterfly you would never think it was that thing that was inching along a little gross little ugly looking thing inching along on the ground but that's the transformation it goes through and that's why a lot of times when you see God transforming us and renewing our mind literally they people look at us like are you are you that same person I remember when you were in high school well that must be a God somewhere because of the transformation that is taking place. You are all together different. All together different. So we see two words that are very powerful there. We must also understand ourselves. We must also understand ourselves. We need to understand our strengths and our weaknesses. We need to understand ourselves. We need to understand our strengths and our weaknesses. We need to be aware of the areas in which we need to grow spiritually. We need to understand ourselves, the strengths, the weaknesses. We need to know and be aware and understand what areas of our lives need to grow spiritually. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I said to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, sober judgments, in order, in accordance with the faith of God, with the faith God has distributed to each each of you. And I love certain words that are highlighted. Think of yourself with sober judgment. You know, uh, a drunk man always tells on himself. Now, I'm not speaking from experience because I've never been intoxicated. As a matter of fact, I had such a fear of my father. My dad, I grew up as a preacher's kid. My dad preached. He would teach hell and preach hell so hot, bro, we'd be bringing out sweat. You know, I think I fear, I think I fear my dad more than I fear Satan or going to hell myself. You know, Satan would never lay a hand on me, but I would fear with my dad. My dad had a big old cowboy bat, belt, and I just called him the Charlie Pride of the Night Ward. My daddy had cowboy boots. He walked, he went to church with cowboy boots, three piece suits with the vest, and a cowboy hat with a big old buckle, living in the Night Ward. He was he was tough. How many y'all know who Charlie Pride is? Okay, okay, I'm speaking to the right. They don't like what? Don't worry about it, bro. Don't worry about it. And my dad loved his cowboy hats and three piece suit. You know, the three piece suit was the like the brother thing, and he sort of put that with the boot. But man, he can whip off that cowboy belt quicker than a Latino can whip off a switchblade. And so you know, we try to get away whoosh, like any other time. Come back here, and I'm like, oh man, he got me. But I think I feared my father more than I feared Satan. So for me, I just grew up, grew up believing that, you know, alcohol was just something I didn't want to do. And even when I got a scholarship to go play basketball in college, and now I'm 10, 11 hours away from home. They got drugs and, 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 and alcohol and all this stuff at these parties and stuff. And man, they said, man, won't you come to the party? No, no, dog, I ain't going to the party. Like, what? Man, look, you just come. I said, no, bro, I'm, I'm not going. And I... I couldn't tell, I'm 21 years old, I could tell, man, my daddy gonna find out. <laughs> I couldn't say that, bro. I'm a baller, man. I'm from the city. I can't tell these guys I ain't gonna fuck up. My daddy gonna find out. And what was crazy, you know, some of you like, really? I gotta tell you this so you know why I said that. I was about 12 or 13 years old. No, 14. And my, my sister was, I was 15, my sister was 13 or 14. Um, and she snuck out the house and went, on this date, or hanging out with one of the older girls who was 16, 17 across the street, we sleep, right? In the middle of the night, dad woke me up and said, look, I need you to go get your sister. She's on such and such a corner. She's sitting in the back seat on the right side. You tell her, bring herself home now. And I'm going, yes, sir. And showing up, I got up, it was like 9.30 night. I went up to that same corner, that was the car. I peeped in, that she was sitting there like, girl, daddy just saw you, you better get home now. And she's like, what? You I said, you better. And the, the guy put the one up, hey, bro, I said, shh, this ain't about you, shut up. Get out the car, let's go. I'm not trying to get clocked up by my dad because of you, so get out and let's go now. <laughs> You know, and when I saw that, I'm thinking, I am not messing with this man. I'm not messing with this man. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So here I am, 21 years old, not going to parties because my dad's going to find out. Right at high school. I'm not doing it. So I just stayed away from the alcohol, stayed away from the parties, and just never got involved because in I so my dad's going to find out. And I just stayed away from it. <laughs> Crazy. Absolutely crazy. 
But we see here that we must know our weaknesses. And we must, it says, think of yourself with sober judgment. Because when you don't think of yourself in the right light, you know, men, we have a very high opinion of ourselves oftentimes. But the word of God tells us who we really are. Spiritual growth begins with understanding. Understanding the biblical text and understanding yourself with sober judgment. Spiritual growth begins with understanding. Understanding the biblical text. There it is. In light of the biblical text, now you understand yourself with sober judgment. We must look into the mirror of God's word and be willing to honestly evaluate our spiritual condition based on our understanding of the text. I love that. That's powerful. We must look into the mirror of God's word and be willing to honestly evaluate our spiritual condition based upon our understanding of the text. Can you see now why so many people really stay away from the word of God? I promise you, the word of God will never be politically correct. Never. It tells you who you really are. And you want that. You know, you know when we were teenagers, and I don't know about y'all, but when we were teenagers, we, especially as guys, I don't know if it was a girl thing, if girls still do it, we, you know, we cared about whether or not we had those pimples or bumps in our faces. They're still too, too Okay, okay. I'm not that old. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, if you if you knew you were gonna make a move on a girl, man, so you need to check and see if you want no big old thing sitting up there on your nose or something like that where they just like she gonna just be grossed out. So, you know, we really wanna see like, man, you need to get you got that thing in your you need to get kick that out, you know, before you go uh, do your bread kicking like gently, you need to put some men in before you go talk to her. And so we 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 need to look at ourselves soberly and honestly. And what the word of God does is it it, it it tells us when we look at the word of the mirror, it says, you know what, that you're doing a great job here, that area, I need you to give that to me, let me fix that. Well God, I mean, don't make excuses. Let me fix this area in your life. Let me redirect that and rewire that in your area. So we need to think of ourselves sober and understand ourselves honestly, evaluate ourselves honestly in reference to the understanding of God's text. Our understanding of God's word leads to the next step in the process of sanctification. The next step, obviously, is conviction. Conviction. Now, if you look at your, at your table here, where we talk about the introduction of biblical truth. You have a list of the transformation that takes place. You have the old man and you have the new man. And then you can just go down there. The old man has old beliefs. The new man has what new beliefs. The old man has old values. The new man has new values. Old behaviors with the old man, new behaviors. Old, old habits with the old man, new habits with the new. Old relationships, now that you're a new person, you have new relationships. And I'm going to say that. I'm going to step back and say this. You know, so many kids ask me in my Bible class, Coach, um, have you ever had any unsaved friends? And the minute they ask me that, I know where they're going with it. I know where they want to go with it. Because the kids want Christ, but they want to still hang out with the same kids that, that they hung out with before they came to Christ. And here's what I tell the kids all the time. Because Jesus hung out with sinners. I said, <laughs> that's what they use. I said, well, here's my thing. Why did Jesus hang out with sinners? Did he hang out with the conformity to do the things that they were doing? Or did he hang out with them because his, what he had to offer was profound enough to change their lives? And my question to you is, why do you want to hang out with them? What's the purpose for you wanting to go where they go? Because I can promise you, you teeter and totter over, over an issue on a fence, you're going to fall one way or the other. But you need to always have your feet on something solid. And I said, my bottom line is that, you know, I had a lot of friends, not intimate friends, but people, our acquaintance, that weren't saved. But they knew right off the bat who I was spiritually. They knew that with, un with no compromise was there. Are you strong enough to handle the peer pressure they're going to put you through? Because if not, you don't need to be hanging out with them. Now, if you're looking for an excuse to go with them and do that, well, I could win them to the Lord and say, well, when's the last time you invited them to your church? They always invite you to go where they go. Once you find that, nah, man, if they keep saying no, then, then that's a problem. You don't need to be going where they're going. And I just give it to them in the real way. Okay? Because we can make excuses why we want to continue going. The second process is called conviction. As you and I grow in our understanding of the Bible, we begin to develop what we call conviction out of that understanding. Those convictions or beliefs determine 
how we live or at least how we endeavor to live. As God's truth takes over our mind, it produces principles that you do not desire to violate. That's sanctification. It's the transformation of your heart, your will, that compels us to be obey God's word. The word conviction here simply means there's a set of beliefs that I believe according to God's word that I'm not willing to compromise. That's when you know the transformation, the sanctification process is working. Paul speaks of how this conviction, these convictions were influenced by what he believed. In 2 Corinthians 4.13 it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I speak, or I spoke. We also believe, we also speak. Paul says, I know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified and him rose from the dead. Leave it, he's speaking. Because that's his conviction. You know, I'm always amazed when I look at the first century church and the persecution it went through. It was horrific. It was horrific. And even in some places around the world today, Christians are just being slaughtered by the hundreds of thousands like in, in northern Nigeria and yet even in the face of death there are so there is such a strong conviction of the truth that even in the face of death they're not willing to compromise those convictions would the God we would see that in our country not not the persecution the conviction because what we all they're doing now and he's kind of calling us names you right winger you religious fanatic well, wow that really hurts that really hurts and so many Christians um, fall under that kind of pressure of all ages because of, I think, the lack of conviction to the things hold on to that which is true. In 2 Corinthians 4, it, it talks about this, 4.13, since we have the same spirit, faith according to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke, and we also believe, and we also speak. Paul believed, therefore he spoke. When, the, when you read the Bible, you're not just trying to know it academically. We're studying the Word of God to develop a set of convictions that rule our lives, inform our conscience, and guide us toward a greater Christ-likeness. The word conscience here is two words. Con means um, with. Science means knowledge. So when man sins, he sins with the knowledge that is wrong. So when we study God's Word... It, it, we, we develop certain convictions that rule our lives to inform uh, our conscience and guide us toward this Christ-likeness. Godly convictions that are developed in our life from exposure to transformation looks like this, which is actually the third part, affection. Understanding, conviction, affection. First Peter 2.2 2 says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Just like a baby longs for the mother's milk, as believers in Christ, we too should have the same hunger for God's Word. Our affections are influenced by what we are feeding on. Wow. You ever heard the saying, you are what you eat? And that's just not just food. You know, we talked about social media. You become what you consume. And that's why it's important we have to guard what goes through the eye gate and the ear gate. We begin to love what we constantly put in, there it is, in our mind and in our heart. We become affectionate, connected to it. Affectionately, we become connected to it. That's why a lot of times it's difficult to show a drug addict that what he's doing is wrong because emotionally they have a bond with it. And we have to be careful too that we don't become emotionally connected to uh, things that are not true from Scripture because then we will fight for the right to be right. You know, I had this big old huge debate in my class because I've got a bunch of kids in my class who are Catholic. And we started talking about the saints. And Paul says, uh, two things I pray for for the, the church at Ephesus. Number one, your love for Christ. And number two, your love for the saints. Boy, when I say love, it went there. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, and we had to put the brakes on it, and we had to explain what Paul was talking about, and it's not the same saints that you guys were talking about from a Catholic perspective, um, uh, the way you use it. And it was just, it was interesting, because I'd never had that happen. I've been at Home of Christmas for 21 years, and we try to stick to just the truth of God's word, 
But there are times when the truth will step on some toes from a standpoint of doctrine from church to church and denomination to denomination. Um, and I thought it was interesting. If you're truly, uh, if, if you're truly growing spiritually, you don't read the Bible as mere education. You don't, you don't study it just to win an argument. You don't approach it casually or carelessly. And you don't flippantly disregard its truth. Boy, you can just see this whole section is talking about giving the, the word of God its place of honor in our lives. And that's what that whole section is saying. Giving the word of God a place, a position of honor in your life. If you're truly growing, you come to scripture eager for the scriptural nourishment it alone provides. Your affection and hunger for God's truth will be continual and nothing will keep you from it. Literally, I mean, I mean, you think about on an average, how many times a day you say you eat on an average? Twice for you. How many times a day you say you eat? Three. Three. One. Yeah, got a motorbike. She almost stopped to eat. <laughs> yeah. How many times? About ten. Ten times. <laughs> that man needs something to do. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Three. Four. Two. Four. And I guess we we all govern how big or small the meal is based on whatever time of the day that we're eating. For me, sometimes, man, it's crazy. Sometimes I'll just go one. <coughs> or if it's two, um, I'll say, okay, I'll eat a salad in like the herb because I, we go to lunch at 1110 um, at, at, at Homer Christian. So I said, well, if I'm not hungry, I won't eat. But I'll come back and eat a heavy meal uh, before 8 o'clock. Before 8 o'clock. Um, so that meal sometimes govern what we're trying to do, um, what we're trying to eat, what maybe weight we're trying to gain or lose to ma or maintain our strength throughout the course of the day. But when you are hungry, your body will tell you, dude, it's time to eat. And that's that desire. And just the same way your body says it's time to eat for the nourishment, that spiritual man says, you know what, it's time to eat. You ain't gotten in that word a while. I need to be fed. Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> Some of y'all remember the movie. But don't you think sometimes you're like not just the intake of food? Like I was here yesterday all day long. Mm -hmm. Didn't even think about eating. Mm -hmm. You know, I was busy, kids doing stuff out here. And then last evening it hit me like I never even ate today. You know, I drank. Come on, I brought all my water and drank all day. Mm -hmm. You know, but sometimes like. Work. Did you feel like about work? Partial truth leads to partial understanding of truth. That's that's all that is. And I didn't become offended by it. I just needed to remind him that no, this church has never in my 15, 16 years of being a church will never celebrate Halloween. But that is a God-given creation uh, which we use to win souls uh, with God. And, and like anything else, you can get so busy throughout the course of the day you forget to eat spiritually. You forget to eat spiritually. One of the things that the Holy Spirit revealed to me a number of years ago um, about kingdom work, kingdom busy stuff, um, doing the will of God. If Satan cannot stop you from doing the work of God, watch this. And I'm going to just make sure we stay balanced. If he can't stop you, because one of the things missions Satan is to stop you from doing God's will and doing his work. But if he cannot stop you, then what he'll do is make you feel so convicted that you're not doing enough to where you work yourself and not take care of yourself and sit at God's feet in prayer and worship and read his word. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then you're no good to God, you're no good to yourself. And definitely, you know, he, he got you where you want because he knows this is your daily bread. And he reveals it and I'm like, whoa, 
Because we can get jacked up over doing, 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 doing. And even Christ knew he had he was here on this earth for only a short period of time. But what did he do oftentimes? He went to rest and commune with the Father. And when the Holy Spirit revealed him in life, wow. Sometime in the process, um, and I had to learn this as a leader, you know, you just got to go rest. Sometimes no is a good thing. That's the one thing I truly learned from being, I admire Pastor Renee so much. I came from, out of a church, um, for 20 years, we're almost finished. We came from a church, and I worked in ministry for 20 years. Yo, here is what my, my life was like for 20 years. I get up in the morning, drive to Racing Junior High School. I have to be a racing for 7.30. Work from 7.30 to 3. When I finished at 3, I had basketball practice from about 3.30 to about 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Then I had to shut everything down. Then I had to drive from Graceland to Tiptoe, got home. My babies were all elementary school, so we could tend to them. And then I had choir practice on Tuesday. Thursday night, um, Thursday night Bible study service. Sunday morning, Sunday night. And three out of the seven days was all church stuff. All church stuff on top of teaching and top of coaching. Not to mention, as soon as I finished, maybe had an early game, got away and had to go do choir. And I ran that schedule for 20 years. And I remember very distinctly, I got burnt out. My relationship with my wife just was just not going well at all. But that's what I thought ministry was until I came to Living Word Church. And then uh, after, you know, I, I, I just decided I didn't want to do ministry anymore. I'm done with it. You know, I just was burnt out. And just my family suffered. My babies were all small and they just... They needed me, but it was all ministry. You know, we, we grew up believing it's God, it's God, it's God, it's God. And, you know, even told my wife, you don't stand in the way of the man of God. God will get you for that. And just, and just, oh, it was crazy. And when I got here and I told Pastor Lamb, I was like, you know, I'm done with ministry. I, I come to church. I do anything with the place. Preaching, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I just, it was just wrong balance. Just, you know, when I didn't show up for church, it's like, I'm going to hell. You know, and when I got here, I never forget when I finally said yes to um, the position he offered me. And he said, "I've been wanting to tell you this, but I, I need to sit down and talk to you." He says, "You need some balance in your life. You need some balance in your life." He said, "But," and I had never heard Pastor Renee use this word. He said, "Brother, you whacked out." And coming from Pastor Renee, I'm like, "That didn't even sound right." <laughs> but I know what he was trying to do. He had a brother in this room, and I, you know, used the word "whack." Really, Pastor Renee? <laughs> but I got what he was saying. And the thing, the thing that just was so beautiful for me was that literally this church saved my marriage with a simple thing of just having balance. There's sometimes you can't make every meeting because your children need you. There's sometimes that you need to take off a Sunday and just take your family and just go somewhere. Because let me tell you something, you got these you, you got these kids for a season. And that's coming a season where it's just going to be you and your wife, and they're gone. And it's so important. And every time I say this, I get emotional. It's so important that kids need to know you love them more than you love ministry. And not God, no, ministry. And I, love, I, I, I thank God for the fact that I was a school teacher and I had the summers off. Because I tell you, if I had a nine-to-five job, corporate job, I don't know where my kids would have been. I'd have lost some of them. So it's so important that we balance out and not become so busy doing the work of God that we forget the God of the work. Amen? But you won't truly love God's Word if it's not already shaping the way you live. And it can't shape the way you live if you don't know it. That's why any method for spiritual growth, any method for spiritual growth, that doesn't start with the study of God's truth cannot lead you to true sanctification. That's why any method for spiritual growth that doesn't start with the study of God's truth cannot lead to true sanctification. As God's word is constantly or consistently put before our eyes and ears, we begin to, here we go, understand more clearly who God is as we come to understand who God is and what he requires of us, here it is, part two, number two, conviction or develop. 
as those convictions or develop, here's the affection, deep love for God's word becomes the passion of our lives. We see this in the song of David in uh, Psalms chapter 19 as we close, verse 10 and 11. More to be desired, desired than day than gold, and even fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. There is no other book worthy of our full attention and devotion. There is no other book that has the power to transform our lives or our friends and families. Our prayer for every person here is that you would make a lifelong commitment to love, study, and apply God's word to your life. True sanctification. Father, we thank you for all that you've done and we honor and bless you. May we continue walking out the truth of your word as the Holy Spirit brings the understanding of your word. Lord, not only understanding that we have deep convictions of not, of, of not wanting to compromise those beliefs that we understood and that we affectionately chase after your word to desire it like a baby desires milk from mama. That we delight for the sole purpose of not glorifying ourselves but glorify the Father. We thank you and we honor you. We pray for Pastor Ben today as he delivers the word. Our worship team as they escort us into the presence of God. And as we gather around the altar to pray for your needs, God, as you've always done, minister the grace of Jesus to the needs of those who have as we petition you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Any questions or comments before we go? All right. God bless you guys. Enjoy your worship time with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. God bless you. Next week we'll be on, I guess we'll be on Spirit to Service. Spirit to Service, yep. Yeah. Right. Spirit to Service. <laughs> everybody get all the answers? Yeah, okay. And I guess they can go on the website and you can get the uh, whatever lessons yeah, they Yeah, you want them to give you a one. All right, we have donuts and coffee there. Right here? Oh, that was actually like back there. Really? Well, what am I going to be here? What can I do about five? Um, so obviously we'll do four here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we take the time. No, it's the same thing. Ben actually comes and talks to everybody. Okay. Okay.